right, thank you. Well, yeah, thank you. Good morning. It's so good to be here. I just had to take a quick, quick, uh, quick glance at this amazing crowd. Thank you. If you're uh, visiting us today, if you've been hanging out with us this summer, I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you've been part of, of coming to this church. Uh, I'm real excited because uh, just in three weeks, everybody say three weeks. September 15th, we are doing our Vision Sunday. So if you've been hanging us, hanging out with us for a while and you wanna know what we're about and where we're going as a church community, then show up on September 15th. We're gonna, we're gonna unveil some really cool stuff, so I hope you guys can mark your calendar and make it for September 15th. Well, uh, as before we start officially, uh, I kinda wanted to do some, some family business. This is a very special day, not just because we're doing a church barbecue, but uh, because I get to present a uh, license to preach through our Foursquare denomination to one of our key leaders here. So uh, will you uh, join me in welcoming him up, up, Eric Black, our men's director. We're so, so proud of Eric and his obedience to the calling of God upon his life. And, uh, and I, I just, I don't take these things lightly. Um, I know uh, that, that this is a call that, that you just faithfully just stepped in obedience. It wasn't something that you even knew was coming, but God put it on your heart many years ago and you've just been faithful to that. So we're really proud of you. Um, just know that God calls you and what we're doing here is just affirming that call. Amen. We're confirming that in you and we're releasing you in ministry Amen. in a whole new way. And so we're really excited for you in that. Amen. And I wanna give you the charge that the Apostle Paul gave Timothy where he says this. He says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. Amen. A worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Amen. Eric, I think that you've, You've really modeled that among us. You've really proven yourself among all of, all of, all of us. I mean, we all share stories about how you've been able to do that. Uh, steward your leadership and service, and it's been proven to many lives. And I'm just so proud of you for taking the next step as you've been studying, not only through our denomination, but through college. And you stepped into that, and you've been studying, and this summer you got your degree yeah. in uh, ministry right. and leadership. So we, want, we, we just acknowledge that. And you also had to go through a panel from our district leadership and they kind of had to ask you all these questions and they all signed off and said, this guy, he's ready to go. Yeah. He's ready to be released. Yeah. And we affirm the calling that he has in his life. Amen. So with that, through our Foursquare denomination, I'm proudly, uh, uh, I proudly give you this certificate as a licensed Foursquare pastor. Thank you. Yeah. Cool stuff. For the ones that know me, you know. That's who I am. For the ones that have been um, a part of our family here at Grace, you've all poured into me um, in words, uh, encouragement, and your acts. Uh, you may not notice, but I, I, I watch. I watch how you all interact with each other, how you give of yourself. But that's how I've also learned, too, is your heart um, after Christ. That's, that's your pouring into me without even knowing. So 
when I first heard the word, it was, I was in, I was all in. Um, but I got a couple years into it, and I, to be honest, I didn't think I could do it. And so I stopped. But then I realized, remembered that it wasn't about what I could do. It was all about what he could do in me. So that encouragement to you as well as that, it's what he pours into you, you can do all things. So move forward in that. So that's my encouragement to you to also just move forward in what he has laid out for you, to move forward in that. So yes, amen, Father. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Well, what I'd like to do is the uh, Bible tells us that we ought to anoint our leadership and release them and pray over them. So if I can have my pastoral staff and some of Eric's mentors, you know who you are, you've mentored him in his life and uh, I think it'd be a big moment and, uh, uh, to come up and we're gonna lay hands on him and anoint him for this new season Amen. of his life. Paul, would you help me? God, we just, uh, God, I just, I thank you so much for Eric. Lord, I, I sense your pleasure over him today. And, and God, just at uh, Grace Church, um, if I could have all of you just stand with us. At Grace Church, no one stands alone. And would you just outstretch your hand, uh, just like you're standing right here with Eric praying. And, and God, uh, we stand with Eric as he has stood with us, Father. And God, as he has been obedient to your calling, Lord, stepping out in, in areas that he did not seek uh, platform or, or uh, God, um, a position. But God, it's, it's because what you placed in Eric and what he's been obedient to walk out in, God, that, that you have elevated him to a position of leadership and of influence. Uh, both of the men here at Grace uh, and the Grace Church family as a whole, but God in the community and at his workplace, God, that his calling does not, um, does not stop at the doors of this building, but God, it is something about Eric that you have created him to be, God, that as he walks obediently in that, God, that hearts would be mended again, God, that lives would be impacted and people far from you would come close to you again because of the desire and the burning that Eric has in his heart for others, God. God, we thank you for his vulnerability, for his humility. God, and we also are so excited, God, for not just what he's done in the past, but what you're calling him to do next, God. We, we wait in eager anticipation, God, of how you're going to move, move Eric uh, in the future, God, and the, and the lives that are gonna be touched through him. The authority that you've given me, Lord, I just am asking, Lord God, that you release him and his leadership here, God, as he's stepping into this new threshold, God, of pastoral leadership, God, I pray for courage and strength and extra grace, God, as he's walking this calling out, you're gonna open up new doors for him, new opportunities, God, and we're gonna say yes and amen, and we're gonna believe that you got him this far, you're gonna continue to move him forward, God, and we thank you for Eric's example to us all, Lord, we pray a blessing over him and his leadership in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. 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 Well, thank you, Eric. We're proud of you. Good stuff. So, so, so good. I want to do more of that, guys. <laughs> I think God has called this church to raise up leaders and release them, and I just really believe that the future of our church is that we're going to be doing more of that. Um, and, and whatever season you feel like you're in right now in your life, I believe that if God's call is on your life, you need to say yes. You need to step up, and God will make it happen. So a lot of good stuff in that. So, uh, so proud of you, Eric. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, like I, uh, I mentioned, uh, you know, right now is an interesting time of the year. We're ready to wrap up summer, 
and we're ready to prepare for fall. How many of you guys are excited about fall coming up? Uh, it's already starting to feel like it, isn't it, right? And so there's a lot of things that we're preparing for. And, and, uh, and so I, I, for me, you know, I just know that, you know, summer's almost over, so I'm getting this feeling of I gotta do as much as I can outside as possible, right? How many of you guys feel that way? You're just like trying to get it done because you know that the weather's gonna change really quickly. Well, I wanna ask, how many of you guys this summer have taken an extended road trip, like over two hours you were in the car? How many of you guys? Road trippers, right? Oh, man, like the Laras, we, road trippers? See, the Laras, we've, we've, we've done that this summer, man. We've put a lot of miles this summer taking road trips, and I'm just curious if it's just me or maybe you feel the same way, but how many of you guys believe that right now there seems to be a lot more trucks and trailers on the road? Right? It just seems like there's just more and more of these days. And I want to give a big shout out to all of our truck drivers here in our congregation. I know that you're here. We're so thankful for you. Can we give it up for our truck drivers, right? You make this country go. Like, we appreciate you. I appreciate you. Except when I'm behind you on a two-lane highway going uphill in eastern Washington. At that point, it's a little harder for me. But, uh, no, I have a lot of respect for our truck drivers. Um, you know, uh, I, I've had a respect for a long time. In fact, my respect for truck, the trucking industry and truck drivers goes back to 15 years ago. See, 15 years ago, Misty and I lived in this town called Springfield, Missouri, right in the heart of America. And the job that I had there is I worked for a trucking company, and I was actually the shipping and receiving clerk. And uh, I know that title sounds pretty impressive, but really what I did is I, I loaded and unloaded flatbeds and semis all day. All day, that's what I had. And we had this small little, little uh, yard that these drivers had to come in and they had to back their trailers in. And they hated coming to our place, right? And so uh, you could just imagine how they felt when they had to back into this little narrow place. Well, I remember one day this, this driver came in and, and he was on the go. I mean, truck drivers, they're on the go. They gotta get back on the road. They gotta get loaded, unloaded, and take off. And he had to use the restroom. So he runs into our office and what he does is he throws me the keys. And he's like, hey, back up my trailer. Well, it was only a 20-foot trailer, but it could have been a 100-foot trailer to me. Why? Because what he didn't know is I've never backed up a trailer before. <laughs> and I was just too proud to tell him I didn't know how to do it. I was a little embarrassed to tell him that, so I just thought to myself, well, you know what? I feel like I'm a pretty good driver. Uh, I feel like, I'm, you know, out of, out of all my friends, you know, I can parallel park pretty good. I think I could back into things pretty well. It should be a piece of cake. That's what I thought, yeah. Some of you guys know. Some of you guys are shaking your heads. I was in for it. So I get in the truck, and, you know, I'm checking the mirrors, and, you know, I'm trying to back in this little narrow spot, and as soon as I, as soon as I do it, man, I realize that this trailer's not cooperating with the way I'm turning. Like, there's something going on. So I'm trying to pull back, and it's turning left when I'm trying to go right, and I'm trying to go right, and it's going left, and I'm trying to adjust and moving up and back and forth, back and forth, and it's just getting worse and worse. And all of a sudden, this, this trailer is just banging into the wall and getting scratched up and dented. Yeah, yeah, you can imagine. And so I'm like pulling back, and I'm just making things worse. Finally, the guy comes out, you know, 10 minutes later from the bathroom, and he comes out, and he's yelling. He's like, what on earth are you doing? except it was a lot more colorful than that. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. I mean, when the time he showed up, my, the trailer and the truck were like in a perfect V. And I don't know how I got stuck that way. <laughs> it was a very humbling moment, to say the least. But here's what I didn't know. I didn't know that in order to back up a trailer, you kinda had to get your mind to switch and think opposite of what you're used to, right? Like, not only are you going backwards, but you're trying to maneuver in a way that just seems so different, so foreign than what you're used to. 
Well, I was thinking about this thought this week and I was thinking that there are times in our lives where we have to maybe shift a little bit and operate in ways that we're not used to operating in. You know, where we have to do things differently than what was normal to us in the past. How many of you know that old habits die hard? How many of you guys are still doing your New Year's resolution? Yeah? That's good. That took a lot of work. But see, oftentimes in our Christian walk, we have to retrain our brain. We gotta rethink things. We have to do op- the opposite of what we were brought up to believe and to think. We usually, we have to do things differently than the natural tendency that we usually have in doing things. And the reason why this is is because when we become a Christian, when we surrender our lives to Jesus, something changes. Not only our hearts, but our whole existence changes. See, we go from two kingdoms. We leave the kingdom of this world, we leave the kingdom of darkness, and now we start to live out in the kingdom of God. There's two kingdoms at play with two different principles, two different standards, two different ways of life. But it's so different than what we've known. It's so different than how we've operated. It's so different than, than the things that we're used to. So we have to retrain. We have to learn. And it almost feels like you're backing up a trailer trying to do things in the opposite way that you're used to. Anybody know that tension? It's kind of how the Christian walk starts out. You know, and, 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 and as you read Jesus' teachings about his kingdom, because you know that 80% of what he taught was about the principles and the values of his kingdom. But when you read through them, it doesn't take you long to realize that it is an exact opposite of everything we've known. Everything we've come to learn. You know, the world says this. If you want to keep your life, you got to fight for it. You got to hold on to it really tight. You got to hold on to everything you have. But then Jesus' kingdom, what Jesus taught about his kingdom, it says, if you want to keep your life, you got to lose it. If you want to gain it, you got to let it go. I mean, the world says this. If you want to be first, and you got to run to the front of the line. You gotta fight for the top spot, but then Jesus taught about his kingdom, and he said this, he says, in my kingdom, the first, if you wanna be first, you'd have to be willing to be last. You gotta be willing to be a servant. I mean, it's complete opposites. Jesus didn't leave any room for there to be any question of which kingdom you're living under. There's a certain standard, certain principles, there's a certain way of life that we have to learn. See, in God's kingdom, we have to train ourselves to think opposite of what we've ever done in the past. And one of the biggest areas in all our lives, one of the biggest struggles, one of the things that's ongoing in our lives is is, is in this one area in our lives that I think we all can share. There's one area that's always something that we gotta learn and grow in into God's kingdom. It's called humility. See, humility is so counterculture to our world today, isn't it? It just seems like like everything's about, about me, about my stuff, about my thing. And so to walk in humility, man, it is counterculture to what we see. But I wanna tell you that humility is the foundational piece of our discipleship process. It's so important. Now, see, I use the words carefully, disciple and discipleship, because I think we first have to start out understanding what this means, what this really means to be a disciple. Because if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, what you're really saying is that you have decided to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. And you gotta know what that means. You gotta know what that means. So what's a disciple? Disciple is a follower or student of a teacher, a leader, or a philosopher. See, you don't follow a set of teachings and principles. That's not what we're doing here. We're not following a set of values, a set of ideas. No, we're following a person, and that person is Jesus. We believe that Jesus is alive. Come on, how many believe that Jesus is alive? And we are choosing to follow a person, and that person is Jesus. How do we follow him? We follow him through his word and by his spirit. 
That's how we follow, the, follow Jesus. We have to follow a person if we're a disciple of them. See, as a disciple, what we're saying is that we're following this teacher, we're learning from them, we're emulating their life, we're allowing their teachings to transform who we are. That's what being a disciple is all about. So if you follow Jesus, if you're, if you're committed today to say, I'm a follower of Jesus, then here's the thing. You must want to live like Jesus lived. I mean, that should be your aim. That should be your goal. That should be what you're conforming into, to be like him, to live like him, to understand him, to know him, and to truly follow after him. But you know that Jesus lived a life that had a posture of humility, and that's what we're gonna read about this today. But our big question this morning, the question I wanna ask you this morning is, are we imitating this posture of humility in our lives? Are we, are we imitating his humility? And I think that we might be surprised that if we're really honest with ourselves this morning, maybe we're, we're doing it in the wrong way. Maybe we're going about it in the opposite of what we're supposed to. I think sometimes we do by default because we just don't know. We're just trying to do what we know. But I'm so thankful for the word of God, aren't you? Yeah. That it can clarify some of this stuff. So we're gonna get into the word of God. It's not Omar's thoughts, it's God's thoughts. So go to the book of Philippians chapter two, starting in verse one. It says this, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in his spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. This is the apostle Paul talking to the church in Philippi. By being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind. Listen to this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in, hum in humility, value others above yourself, not looking for your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. I think it's interesting that he starts there. He says, like, like if you're gonna follow after him, if you're, gonna, if you're gonna be like Jesus and live like Jesus, it starts right here. Changing the way you think. See, transformation begins with changing how we think. We see this in Romans 12 too. He says, do not conform to the patterns of the world. Do not conform in the likeness of the world, which we all know. Instead, it says, be transformed by the renewing of what? Your mind. By the renewing of your mind. See, part of the discipleship process that God is doing to change our hearts is by transforming our lives through the renewing of our mind. Again, by his word, through his spirit, and guess what? By being connected to his body. That's how discipleship works. That's why this is so important. That's why I'm glad you're here. Because it shows that you are in the discipleship process by being connected to his body, by allowing the Holy Spirit to lead your life, and by being committed to his word. So to live like he lived, we gotta think like he thinks. We gotta think like he thought. So Paul helps us with this, and he tells us that we gotta have the mindset of Jesus we gotta think like Jesus. We have to put on the mindset of Jesus. So according to this passage, this is what that means. The mindset of Jesus is this, doing nothing out of selfish ambitions. In other words, check yourself. Check your motives. Number two, value others above yourself. Number three, expressing concern for the other's interests. Now I've always said this, that the ways of God are always clear, but they're not always easy. Right? We can look at this list and we're like, man, this will make the world a better place. This would be awesome to see if everybody else acts like this. But then when it comes to us, we're like, ooh, that's hard. That's hard. And what I love about the word of God is it doesn't just leave us in that spot. 
that actually leads us to a clear picture. And what I love about this is that now Paul switches gears and he starts giving us a picture of how Jesus actually lived this out in his life. This is what he says. He says, Jesus, whom being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage, his own advantage, rather. He made himself nothing by becoming the nature, very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming an obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of our God the Father. It deserves an amen on that one, right? I know it's not up there, but it deserves an amen. But what we see in this passage are four steps that Jesus took in his posture of humility, four steps that Jesus took that lowered himself and lowered himself and lowered himself. And in the world standard, they looked at that and they didn't understand that, but in, but in God's kingdom, it actually exalted him to the highest place. Because we know that God's kingdom does not work like the kingdom of the world. See, the world says that if you want to be exalted, you ought to promote yourself. I mean, you know we live in a day where there's a lot of self-promotion going on. It's pretty easy to do. Kingdom, the kingdom of the world says you gotta fight for you. You gotta think only about your needs. You gotta, it's about what you want. It's about me, 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 and I, I, I. But God's kingdom says this, is that if you want to be the first, you must become the least. If you want to be great, you must be servant to all. And if you want to follow me, you must be able to live a life of sacrifice. You must have the attitude of a servant. You must be willing to surrender to God's will, and you must be able to endure suffering for the sake of God. That's what the kingdom says. That's the path of humility. And this feels the opposite to us, right? It seems like when you hear those words, when you hear it described that way, it seems like it's the opposite direction of where we wanna go in life. Can we be honest? Why? Because there's this part inside of us that when we hear things like this, there's something in us that bucks against that, doesn't it? There's something in us that just doesn't feel like, we're just like, oh, that's so hard to do. Why? Because we all struggle with this thing in our hearts called pride. That's the part of us that wants to exalt itself, right? We're always struggling. There's always this tension in us with pride. See, the problem is, is that we just can't turn pride off. Wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be awesome if it just all of a sudden, right now in this moment, we just said, hey, let's turn pride off, and we just switched? No, it doesn't work that way, right? You can't just switch pride off. Pride is something that you have to starve to death, you can't just switch it up. You gotta starve it to death, which means that it's gonna be a slow death, slow process that may take some time. It's like learning how to back up a trailer. We gotta learn how to rethink. We gotta learn how to think in reverse. So Paul tells us this, that it begins with having the mindset of Christ. If you wanna go through these steps with Christ, then you gotta learn how to walk that walk. So what's, what's this mindset? What's the first step? Sacrifice, sacrifice. Look what it says, it says, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. We gotta pause for a moment and think about what Jesus did. I mean, you're talking about the king of glory and all his majesty in heaven and he surrendered that. He put that aside. He put down his privilege and his power and he laid it aside to come down to earth into the form of a man. I mean, that's the biggest step of humility that the world has ever seen and will ever know. I mean, that's a huge step, 
down for the Son of God, amen? But he took that sacrifice. He was willing to sacrifice his privilege and power so that others may have eternal life. He gave up so much so that others may have. So what that tells us is that the posture of humility begins with us being willing to sacrifice for the sake of others. Sacrificing for the sake of others. Laying our lives down for others. Now, I know what you think when you think of laying your life down. I mean, you're just like, oh man, I don't know about that. And and, and sometimes we think of that as self-harm. That's not self-harm. You know what laying your life down for somebody is? That means you're dying to self. So the question this morning for us is this, is what am I willing to sacrifice for the sake of others? What am I willing to sacrifice? Is my life all about me? About me and my stuff? Or am I willing to get so that others may have? Am I willing to give so that others may have? See, a sacrifice is only a sacrifice if you're giving up something that's very valuable to you. That's the pressure point. That's the part that brings the most tension is that when it's really valuable, you're like, ugh, I don't know. It's a sacrifice. And it's hard because it's in those moments, it's those testing moments that that me monster comes up, doesn't it? That me monster inside of us, man, it hates this. It does not like this. Why? Because humility requires trust. Trusting in God. The reason why many of us don't like to, to choose humility is because it means that we have to fully rely on God. And I know that many of us, we believe that we're fully relying on God, but you don't really know if you're fully relying on God until you're in the position that you have to fully rely on God. Right? It's gonna be tested. It's gonna be tested. But see, when we're fully relying on God, we realize that he's in control and we're not. Jesus says that if you gain, if you want to gain your life, you have to lose it, you have to let it go. Letting go means you have to trust. He said that if you wanna be first, then you gotta be last, and guess what? That requires trust. Because you have this sense in you, like, what about me? When am I gonna get that promotion? When am I gonna get ahead of the line? When am I gonna have my opportunity and my time? Many of us, man, we're struggling with that tension because we're still holding on when God says, trust me. Sometimes the biggest sacrifices we can make is letting go of control or our sense of control. See, God, you know, some of us, we have this battle with God. God, if, you're no, if I don't force this thing to happen, it will never happen. I think sometimes our prayers are like that. You know? But God says that if you humble yourself, I will exalt you. But we have too many moments where we we hesitate. See, humility is not thinking of yourself less, it's thinking about God more. Saying, God, I trust you. See, I can make sacrifices in my life because I trust God will see me through. I can make sacrifices in moments where he's asking me to let go of things because I know that he's after, he's he's, he's, he's for my good, that, that he's standing with me. I can trust him, I can put my full confidence in him because I know that he'll provide for me and give me everything I need when I need it. So I trust him. I gotta step in that and that takes humility. The second one is the step is the mindset of being a servant. Listen to what it says. Rather he made, not, made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Now it wasn't hard enough for Jesus to step down into human form to be limited in, in, in being in one place at one time and all the other human limitations that we have, right? The king of king being formed in that, but it says that he also came and he carried and he put on the nature of a servant, the nature of a servant, the God who created the heavens, the God who created the stars. He was the same God who washed his disciples' feet, who fed the thousands, 
who, who healed and ministered to many, who walked miles and miles, hundreds of miles so that others could hear about the kingdom of God, that God served in that way. Here's the thing about servitude. Without the nature of a servant, servanthood would always feel inconvenient and an obligation. There's a difference. Jesus had the heart of a servant. He had the nature of a servant. He wasn't just trying to do good things. It was just what he did. It was how he lived. It was what he thought. It was what, how he acted because Jesus served out of joy and out of love. Was it hard? Absolutely. Was it fun? Probably not all the time. But we see that what Jesus did is the nature of a servant is somebody who sees the needs and steps in. They do what they can because they can. See, we use this word serve a lot in church. You know, serve, serve, serve. Makes us sometimes feel good, you know, like, yeah, I'm, I'm serving. And it gets a lot of amens. But I wanna be honest with you, serving's hard. Serving's humbling. Serving, serving can, could, could be inconvenient at times. You know, I heard somebody say this, is that everybody wants to be a servant until they get treated like one. See, we like to serve, but on our terms. We like to serve when we want, how we want. So when somebody expects us to serve outside of that, oh man, it starts to rub us the wrong way. Who do they think they are? That's pride. That's not the nature of a servant. Because the nature of a servant is one that says, says I'm gonna do what needs to get done, no matter what. See, when pride rises up, it gets us to think these ideas, like maybe there's certain areas, there's certain things that I feel are beneath me. Are there things that we refuse to do because we're afraid of what other people might think of us or think less of us? Humility says, I'll do what it takes to get the job done. Here's what makes the posture of humility so difficult for us sometimes to get through is because humility involves people. Humility involves people, man. It'd be so easy if we could just be humble all by ourselves. But humility starts in the heart, but it does not manifest itself until it's around people. See, when the Bible teaches about humility, it's never in isolation. It's always in community. It starts in the heart, but it manifests around people. See, a humble person does not isolate themselves. Pride drives people into isolation. Pride drives people into independence. So if I'm gonna manifest humility, I'm gonna have to do it around people. I'm gonna have to let it manifest in how I serve the people around us. That's what Jesus did, and that's what Jesus taught his disciples. See, I, can't, I can say I'm a servant all day long, but I don't become a servant until I'm around people. You get how that works? It takes people, and that's why it's hard. That's why it's hard, because why? Because people won't always appreciate what you do. That's why you can't do it for the recognition of people. But as somebody who has a nature of a servant is somebody who knows that what they're doing is before God. What they're doing is in recognition of God Almighty and he sees our heart and he sees our deeds and he's, he's, he's seeing what we're doing and that should be enough. See, the world tells us you gotta keep score. You gotta hold accounts because one day you might need to tell somebody what you've done. One of these days you gotta show them, hey, do you see all that I've done? You better appreciate me more. That's the way of the world. The way of the kingdom says, give without expecting anything in return. If someone needs to go a mile, why don't you go two miles with them? I mean, Jesus taught this. Jesus' example came in the nature of a servant, meaning that he always looked for opportunities to help those around him. So here's the question to ask yourself. 
do I look more often to serve or be served? See, humility is not ignoring myself. It just means that I'm not focused just on myself. So the third step here is this. The third mindset is this, is submission. Submission. It says, and being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. This is amazing to me. So Jesus came as as a man. He came in the form of a servant, but he also submitted his will to the Father's will. He took another step down. He took another step down. He followed God's will, a will that required him to go to the cross. See, for us in our world, man, submission is a bad word, isn't it? We don't like that. That, 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 that bothers us. We don't want to submit to anybody. There's something inside us that cringe. Why? Because we've seen people abuse that authority. Because that's the way of the world. See, we've seen submission done in the world's eyes. And the world teaches us that if you submit to somebody, that means you're weaker than them. That means that you're less than them. That's the way of the world. But if you allow that to linger in your heart, then it builds up pride. And what pride does is pride leads to selfishness. And then all of a sudden, you're fighting that authority by giving your opinions and your preferences and making them important in everyone else's. Because you're not willing to submit to anybody. You think to yourself and you convince yourself that, hey, I can't submit to authority because I gotta make sure that everyone knows that my opinion is right. I can't submit to authority because I need to make sure that my voice is heard. I can't submit to authority because because I, I have my own needs and they need to be met first. Jesus submitted himself to the Father's will, even when it was difficult. He submitted to the authority that was over him. Now in the kingdom, we trust that God has full authority, amen? God holds full authority. If you're a kingdom person and you understand that he's the one that holds all the cards, right? He's in full power, full authority. But when we humble ourselves under the authority that God's placed us, then we're really surrendering that authority, that submitting to his authority. You know, the Bible says a lot about authority and how we ought to act. Scripture tells us this in government. You don't have to turn here, I'll just reference it. Romans 13 says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. How about spiritual authority? Hebrews 13, 17 says, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over, over you as those who must give an account. You know, I have to give an account for everything I say and everything I do and how I lead this church. That scares me. Pray for me, all right? It's a hard job. If there's something, the decision that I make, I'm telling you, I'm looking for your best interests, not mine. He says, do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, amen, for, the, for that would be not of no benefit to you. The Bible tells us other scriptures about fam- authority within family, within generations. Look at what 1 Peter 5, 5 says. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders, okay? All of you, clothe yourself with humility towards one another because God opposes, opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble, Now, I wanna be very clear about this because this could be a sensitive subject, okay? I'm not saying, I'm not saying that you need to take abuse from somebody who has authority over you. I'm not saying that you need to submit to that type of abuse. That's not what I'm saying. That is not good leadership. That is not a humble leader. That's not somebody that you need to, you need to find a way to talk to somebody. You need to find a way to fix that. That's not okay, okay? So I just wanna make that very clear if anybody feels that today but there is a way to handle it. And you can handle it with humility and grace. 
The posture is to listen and to understand and not react like you know it all. You know, the younger version of me, 20 years ago, would have hated this message. Because <laughs> I had a problem with authority. I had a problem with, with my bosses. I had a problem with, with my spiritual leadership at time. I always second-guessed certain things, and, and I always seen the decisions that were made, and I didn't understand them, so then when I didn't understand them, I complained. And it just, it just, it was bad. It was pride that was in me. Now, I know that there's some bad leaders and some bad bosses that make bad decisions. I get that. But when you let pride set in, when you're in that, in that, in that situation, you start to get this thought like, if I was in charge, things would be a whole lot better. And that's dangerous ground. See, the reality is that you don't know everything that this leader or this boss or this pastor, you don't know everything that they're going through. You know, I apologize to my pastors before I, all the time to say, man, I thought I knew what I knew. It's not until I'm in this position now that I understand a whole lot more. There's some times in our lives and some seasons in our life where we're, we think that we know everything. We just judge things on the surface, but we don't really truly understand everything that plays in. See, a prideful heart is someone who only sees how things affect themselves. A proud heart is one that judges what they see on the surface and then assumes that they understand everything and know everything. But humility is realizing that there's a lot to learn and to understand about everyone. So they don't make assumptions, they take the attempts to understand. That's the posture of humility. That's the purpose of humility. Pride says that if I were in your position, I would do a lot better than you. So let's ask yourself this morning, how submissive am I willing to be? Do I always have to be in control? Do I always have to be in the position where everybody submits under my authority? Or do I know how to honor and submit to those that God's put over my life? That's submission. That's kingdom submission. And the last one is this. And the mindset of Christ is suffering. It says, being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Jesus keeps taking all these steps down to the point of death, but not just death, but death on the cross. That's how much Jesus humbled himself for us. That should humble us for the thought that he thought that much of us, that he would surrender, he would submit, that he would, he would serve, that he would get down to a place where he had to suffer the way he did to rescue you. So the last question is this, am I willing to go through suffering so that others can receive an opportunity to receive eternal life? If I'm to follow Christ, this is the path, this is where it leads where I'm gonna have to work through these moments in our lives where there might be some suffering required. See, sacrifice, man, I could, I, could, I could get with giving something up. But if you're talking about suffering, that requires pain. I don't do good with pain. I'm willing to give something up, but I'm not willing to endure pain for others. That feels like too high of a cost until I realize the value I just wonder if we were able to see the glory of heaven for just a few, few minutes. I just wonder that if we all today got a snapshot, if we all today got to experience the glory of heaven for one minute, I wonder how much that would change our perspective on the suffering we endure on this earth. I wonder if we would come back and say, man, the glory that's to come is so worth whatever I have to endure here, whatever is going on here for you to make it, for you to make it, for my family to make it, I will do anything and everything to get them there because it's so worth it. I think our perspective would change. 
I think the reason why we, it's hard for us in those moments to accept it is because we're just like, man, I don't know, I don't know. But Jesus says it's worth it. Jesus says that there, we did a memorial service the other day. It was so beautiful because we, 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 we celebrated a life of a saint and she, she's in heaven and she's in the glory of, of God. And, and it was just so amazing to just see uh, just people share stories about her. And, and, and we were just talking about heaven and where she's at right now. And I was getting pumped for heaven. Not just before what's there because I don't know everything that's there, but I know it's not there. And that's enough for me. You know what? It's not there. No more pain. No more tears, no more sickness, no more death, no more disappointments. You know what I mean? And that got me excited. And that's what gives me the endurance to continue to doing what God's called me to do. Suffering's hard. There's gonna be times that's gonna require that in our lives. But this is what the Bible says. See, the, the, the world will say it's not worth it. Jesus says this. 1 Peter 5.10 says, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Romans 5.3 says, More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Romans 8.18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So even though we may suffer, which is hard, I get it, there's always a promise attached to our suffering in the kingdom. He promises that our suffering will not be in vain. He promises us that, that it will not last forever. He promises us that he will sustain us even in the midst of the suffering. And he promises us that it's worth the eternal glory that's ahead. And then it says that because Jesus lived in this posture of humility, it says that God exalted him to the highest place. To where the world saw Jesus getting lower and lower, it actually was getting Jesus higher and higher. As we follow Jesus, God in due season will, will exalt us. This is what Jesus said in Luke 14, 11. I'm gonna wrap up with this. It says, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. What does that tell us is that we don't have to try to humble ourselves. Life will do that all on its own, all right? It's not a matter of whether you're gonna be humbled or not. It's how are you gonna get there? How are you gonna get there? Is God gonna humble you or are you gonna humble you? See, the posture of humility requires you to take steps down, which feels like the opposite of everything in you at times. But God promises that if you take those steps, he's actually gonna lift you up. And you might be thinking, okay, God, then, then I'm shooting for being exalted. That's the same thing that you're talking about. But that's because you, your definition of being exalted is totally different than God's definition of being exalted. See, we think the world says that when you're exalted, you're at the top spot, you're the VIP, you're the CEO, you have every, all the toys, you're, that's being exalted. You're famous, you're rich kingdom of God says this, is that we're going to be at the highest place the day that we entered heaven, when we've completed the job that God put before us, just like Jesus did. And when we get to the glory of heaven, God's going to look at us and he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Not good leader, not good whatever job title you have today, good and faithful servant. Come and enjoy what I have prepared for you. That's the best place we could ever be. That should be what we aim for. That should be what we're pursuing in God. That's 
where this posture of humility will lead. Amen? Amen. I know some of you guys are just thrown off a little bit. You're looking at me like, this sounds hard. <laughs> I could tell. I wanna tell you, Jesus didn't teach us these things to make our lives miserable. He taught us this way because he wants to show us that there's a better way to live. There's a better life. And when you give it yourself, when you walk the walk of humility, you will learn to experience life like never before. You will experience that abundant life. You will experience more peace, more joy when you give your life away. He says it is better to give or to, to, to give than to receive. You will experience joy and identity and peace and all these things that he gives as you learn to give your life away and trust him and trust him. Can we stand? I want us to close out in, in, in a unique way. I'm gonna have you uh, just grab the hand of the person next to you. Now, if you don't know who they are, this is your moment to introduce yourself. Just tell them your name, you know, so it's less awkward. Here's the challenge, and here's what we're gonna begin today, this morning. I'm gonna ask you to pray for that person. Normally, we pray for ourselves, right? This week, I'm gonna challenge you that all week, I want you to pray for others. When you spend time with Jesus on the behalf of others, you're gonna change, you're gonna see your life change in this area. So this morning, we're gonna practice that. I want you to pray for that person next to you. You know their name, just call out their name. You might not know their need, but you can pray for them. You can pray whatever God's put on your heart, but I want you to pray for that person. I want this moment to be about someone else, this moment to be about how you can bless them and ask God to do the best for them and whatever need that they have, that God will supply that need. I mean, you're gonna start speaking over them. Chances are that the person that you're holding hands with it's probably the person that's gonna help you with humility this week, so you better really pray for extra grace. <laughs> but can we do that? Can we just spend right now just one minute here just praying for that person? Come on, call out their name. Ah, oh, it's beautiful, church. Father, we thank you for this group of people, God. We thank you that the people that you've linked us up with, God, people that you've put our life around, God, we pray that we would be a blessing to them. So I ask right now, God, that in this time of prayer, God, that I would lift this person before you, God, that I would ask you to bless them, protect them, guide them. God, I know that they have a, a plan that you've set. We pray that the enemy would not be able to distract them from that plan, whether they would stay focused. I pray, God, that if there is anything in their body that needs physical healing, we ask you to heal it in Jesus' name. We ask you, God, if there's a financial need right now in their family, we ask you to provide in Jesus' name. We, God, that if there's some need in them that's deep inside that they've not shared with anybody, we pray in this moment we would pray over them right now that they release it to you. God, we pray blessing and grace over them and their family. We pray that you continue to do the good work that you started. Keep their faith Keep their faith in a place, God, where it's stretched and it grows, God, because that is truly what pleases you, God. So we pray that over them right now in Jesus' name. And God, lastly, we just thank you for this church. We thank you for the community of believers that come together, believe this stuff, and walk it out, Lord. I pray for extra grace for everyone here this morning as we learn to walk this life of humility, God, among the world so that they can see that there's a difference. And they could ask us, Why? So give us the boldness to share the story and to share the why and to share you. We love you, God. We thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody said?
Amen, amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you for being here. I hope you get to hang out and grab some food and, and enjoy the fellowship. Well, God bless you. We'll see you next week. You're God of the hills.